Good morning, New Eden! Today is January 30th, 2022, and this is the Federation Frontline Report, a podcast where we interview the players of EVE Online and go over faction warfare news. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and today we will be interviewing Astarathe, leader of the Convocation of Imperiums. Astarathe, it's great to have you back on the show. So tell me, how is Faith treating you these days? Well, greetings, fellow Imperians. I am Astarathe, and uh, pretty good, actually. I have been, um, you know... I had been starting to play a lot of like Final Fantasy XIV and other stuff uh, as my like downtime game, uh, but this Doctor Who event has sucked me back in. So I've put quite a few hours into Eve, uh, but I gotta say I've been probably spending more time in Hoovers than in New Eden. So there's that. <laughs> That's awesome, actually. I'm gonna be asking a, a little bit about that later on in our news section because, truthfully. Unfortunately, I've been murdering too much in EVE Online to go off and find this other universe that we can go in. So I'd like to hear a little bit about it. And I think we got two days left like to get to yeah. maybe have me get out there and take a look. Um, well, the good news is, is that like the game, the event itself is kind of like a progression. You start out with scanning down the sites that lets you build your first keys. Then in those keys, you get the stuff to build the next level keys so on and so forth all the way up the tiers so but the good news is is that since we are toward so towards the end everybody wants to now dump their stock of strange matter and the blueprints and all that stuff because it's just going to be useless in two days so if you just want to skip to the end and run some of the hardest sites or do some of the best hacking sites it's really not that difficult to get those keys now oh awesome awesome so yeah that's uh well advantage frozen fallout <laughs> uh there's there's advantage both for uh, proactivity and for, um, you know, a little bit of laziness and letting other people pave the road for you, right? <laughs> right, yep. <laughs> um, so, first question. Uh, two days ago, I saw that you created a new corporation. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on with that? Yeah, nothing gets past you. Um, <laughs> so, a few days ago, I think two days ago, there was a big fight. Um, in high sec invo involving Black Flag and a whole bunch of other people um, and we had been asked to, to help out and uh, what I'd realized is like during the whole fallout of stuff that happened within the complication one of the people that left was the guy that was kind of running the this our war decking organization so the only group that we had that we could do to war deck was Aderon Robotics which um, isn't going to help much for a fight one jump from Jita, oh. uh, being in Galante Faction Warfare. Yeah, not, and, not much help uh, at all. <laughs> no, not very much help. Uh, and uh, the other one was our main structure holding corp, which would mean that we would have to expose our main structure holding corp to whatever the war was, Ooh. Uh, which that didn't sound great either. So the it was identified that we needed a new corp for our ability to perform war decks uh, either offensively or as a, like a political organization rather than just defending our structures um so yeah that's that's what imperian enforcement is designed to kind of be okay cool. I, I i like the fact that the of the people that saw it like within the first like couple of hours uh, two people had noticed it and was like i don't know what that means 
Is it about attacking other people? Like, even if you don't know what it is, the name itself tells you enough that you can kind of guess what the whole shtick is about. So I, I consider that a design success. Absolutely. Yeah. No, when I when I saw it, I was like, OK, so this is going to be like a PVP division, it looks like of, of sorts. You know, there's uh, it, right. You know, it doesn't look like it's faction warfare. Um, so you're, it, it's going to be something that's outside of faction warfare um, and, and is going to deal directly with war decks in high sec. Correct. Yep. Awesome. Because we actually have a uh, we have agreements with several other organizations, including Black Flag. So uh, okay. we get yep. called in on some of the more fun uh scuffles um so tell me a little bit more about the convocation here um so i know we we touched base on it last time that i talked to you but i saw i want to do a little bit more of a deep dive on this um and just um kind of starting off if somebody's interested in joining the convocation like let's say the federation frontline as an alliance is there a possibility of the the federation frontline joining the convocation or is it only corporations and how does that go about you know either way i would be uh willing to consider it but i don't necessarily i generally shy away from bringing in entire corporations uh okay. the main reason i believe i talked about this last time the convocation of empyreans comes from uh malevolent row corporation malevolent row corporation was originally envisioned to be Aderon Robotics's high-sec alt-corp that was designed to funnel people into Aderon. Like, that okay. was its original purpose. But, you know, as I went off and did stuff with Mauro, and that got bigger, um, and Aderon continued to remain relatively independent with their leadership that I left it with, um, trying to make the two mesh was starting to get confusing. Like, having two different corporations that both are, like... It doesn't they don't feel connected so by making this kind of shell alliance the convocation of empyreans that kind of makes it understand that these other things are subcomponents of it so even though aderon isn't technically in the alliance itself having there be a, a an alliance tent mm -hmm. as it were that everything is under allowed that kind of partnership to be better understood right we have a convocation level of understanding and then we've got corp level understanding of how our operations work but that's the thing our corps are not like, we don't just have a corpse join. The corpse represent the playing with the mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Aderon is separate because Aderon needs to be in Faction Warfare. We we have most of the people in Mauro because, for the most part, it doesn't really matter. But we have sp split off in the past having, uh, you know, specialized industrial corps or specialized... You know, something that requires using the corpse structure to separate out people. Um, but in general, we don't necessarily find the need to do that. So it's really just a giant corporation within an alliance. Uh, so if you wanted to join the uh, convocation, for instance, I would ask, uh, why aren't you? Uh, why wouldn't you be just joining Aderon Robotics? And if the answer is because you want to be your own independent person, then we would actually want to support you in being independent, okay, not yep. necessarily try to bring you in. The way I see the convocation is like the YMCA for Empyreans, <laughs> nice. right? Like there are the people that work there that are the staff and sure they get paid and they make good money. But the, really, we, we the, the understanding is that the, the value of the convocation is the services that we provide to people, the, uh, you know, unlocking and maximizing player engagement with EVE Online by answering these questions, building these tools, paving the roads, developing good players. 
you know, et cetera. That's, that's our ultimate objective. So I am less interested in engulfing new corporations and more into just offering them services. Hey, I don't want you to, I don't want you to have to give up your identity. I'm just going to offer you use of my structures because okay. that way you can start to grow as a community. Cause that's what I'm more interested in. Interesting. Awesome. And so some of the services that you provide, I know that you've got the website that, you know, you've, um, provide some uh, details on what's going on in the uh, faction warfare up-to-date maps um, you know what's being killed where um, some really great tools that are on the website there um, but you also talked about structures what kind of services do you offer regarding structures well past tense uh, before all of our structures got annihilated uh, a few months ago we had a you know full industry several moon moons etc and even to this day we do have we're starting to rebuild and as we rebuild, we're immediately opening things up. In order to mine in our moons, you don't have to be in the convocation. You know, I've told people, like, if somebody shows up and they're blue, light blue, then that means that they've been going, gone ahead to come and join, right? Like, so, but for the most part, when I say the structures, I mean things like making sure that we have a right to rue with ser services available and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We just mm -hmm. need to make sure that we can protect it and figure out what order we want to do it in right now as we rebuild. Okay, and so at this point, though, all, you've, you've had your structures burned to the ground and you're kind of rebuilding, or...? Um... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got our structures burned to the ground, and it's more like uh, internal rebuilding, right? Because part of the... It was overextension of, in a lot of different ways. And so, more or less, I am taking time to see what gets momentum, Right. Like I'm, I could just be like, and now we're doing invasion or incursions and like <laughs> set up the time and probably even successfully form a fleet. But like, I, I imposing my will upon it has only gotten so far. So ultimately my goal has been now to identify, uh, people who can be developing their various different branches and putting as much fostering into them as possible to develop a really solid leadership core so that way, you know, Aeron is a perfect example. It doesn't matter. I could, like, we could flail around in Mauro all we want. I could quit the game for a year, and Aeron would barely notice. Like, <laughs> we want there to be that synergy. So that way, like, if Aeron needs industrial needs or mining needs, basically the goal is that everybody can focus on what they want to, knowing that there's other pieces of the Alliance that will focus on the other pieces for you. And so you can reach out to them for answers for whatever your inputs or dealing with your outputs are. So, you know, it, in that sense, the convocation needs to exist in part to help facilitate Aderon in their operations. But ultimately, Aderon don't care. They're going to do it either way. They're p totally independent. And that's something I really like. Yeah, no, that's worked. I think that works out really well for you. Um, and yeah, that's, I think that's it's a far great less way work. Of, yeah, <laughs> good way of <laughs> going, smart way of going about it, you know. Work, work yeah. smarter, not harder. You know. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of different commitments. Trying to make my videos, trying to do the podcasts, trying to you know, trying to make these tools and stuff. So, uh, or not podcasts, but streams and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so the more I can identify uh, pioneers and be like, hey, I want you to be that person for my group, uh, the better. And uh, I think that a lot of people are obviously very nervous about stepping up into a quote-unquote leadership position because it feels like you should know something but you know the whole idea is is that they can talk to me whenever right like they have me and they have the other people as infinite 
you know, source of information and, and advice and all that stuff. It's just, I need somebody whose job it is, is to be like, this is the, th you know, this monitor, this is monitored. If, if this is going wrong, then I know who to talk to about that. And there's at least somebody who's making sure that that gets taken care of. You know, like Oppenhammer is our uh, buyback manager. He doesn't have to process every single contract and he doesn't have to necessarily know how it all, uh, how everything, all the nuances work. He just has, to, his ultimate responsibility is just making sure that the buyback program is successful. If he builds a staff in order to do that, then that's fine. If he wants to do it all himself, then that's fine. As long as it remains within the constraints of what the convocation needs, then, you know, his responsibility is making sure it's healthy. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a thumbs up, thumbs down. Is it working? Yes. Great. Move on. Awesome. Yeah. Speaking of um, videos and stuff that you've been making recently, I've been seeing uh, you've been talking. Um, I caught one of your videos recently. I was talking about objectives um, for faction mm. warfare. <laughs> um and I, I really like it when you uh, when I hear the stuff that you're talking about regarding this. Um, you've seemed to have some really great ideas about it. Um, I was just wondering if you could give us a little bit of uh, more background, more ideas about what 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 you're kind of thinking would improve uh, faction warfare with these um, like objectives and like I believe that you were talking about like CCP involvement um, and that sure. we're player. This is the one area in Eve Online where the players are actually screaming for CCP. To have the empires do stuff, and we don't want right. them touching 0, 0.0 or you know it, the incursions are bad enough, you know, <laughs> like when it comes right, to right, your right. space, it, you know. It, but it, it, there should be a space where people can just be focused on players, and there should be a space where players can uh, engage with the story. I agree. So there's kind of we'll we'll talk about three different historic moments, uh, both personally and you know collectively, that sort of informs this idea. Firstly, it is uh, the idea of Aderon Robotics joining Faction Warfare to begin with, right? So in the beginning, Aderon Robotics was an industrial corporation. We were one of the biggest industrial corporations in Galente Space. Um, and yet, you know, some of us were increasingly doing some PvP with some pirates, and it was we were struggling to maintain our positive sex standings and all that stuff, because this was before tags for sex. And then they announced that they were going to be revamping, um, re revamping faction warfare. And what we decided that we were going to try it for two or three weeks and make a decision about it. Right now, obviously, this split the entire organization. Aeron Technologies was made, and like it, it kind of like blew up, or like it went off from there. But that core group that stayed with Aeron Robotics, we tried it out for a couple of weeks, and you know what? Aderon has never given up faction warfare since. Like we've been dragged out by, by outside forces, but we always return, right? Um, so that's number one, which is that we just needed the opportunity for the short window, right? The idea that we would try it out for two to three weeks was a reasonable enough of a structured commitment that it was easy for us to process and you know want to do right like do we want to become a faction warfare corp is a pretty serious question especially when it's just a revamp that you don't really know the results of but we want to try it out for a couple of weeks to see if it is the next big thing that's totally reasonable right mm -hmm. so yep. that's one number two uh was uh i forgot number two so i'm going to jump to number three right now uh invasions uh right so what we saw in invasions was a manifestation of the player base accepting 
the NPC's objectives, right? Like, the Triglavians were ultimately fighting for the Triglavians. I'm sure that, I mean, there's definitely people that were doing it just to fuck with things and to tear yeah. things apart and, you know, watch the world burn away. And they had, like, an, ob but, an objective of, like, we want to mess with Jidda and the route between Jidda and sure. Mar, you know? So there's other, even I, even weirder stuff, more than just, I want to fuck with the game, but I want to fuck with commerce. Like, and Why how would anybody <laughs> want to do that? Why would anybody work for an entire year to try to con communicate with enough people and get them informed enough so that, that way when Niarja went live that we had enough forces in order to take it who would do such a that's thing that's crazy crazy talk <laughs> anyway uh so but my point is is that like even to this day there are people who are not just interested in making the high sec null sec but are truly interested in being the kybernauts becoming proven right like ccp effectively made the put out this call uh by these npc actors and people block to it oh yeah it, it, it is the only feature i can think of ever in the history of eve online that has grown in popularity since its release right mm. most of the time features get checked ch ch checked out and then you know drop off invasions gained momentum and gained momentum gained momentum as more and more people saw it and thought that this was incredible even new players that were coming in and saw that and, and like experienced that and the biggest frustration that i hear is how high and dry they got left right that they want this or they want further instructions they want to feel part of it they feel abandoned by zoria and by uh edencom you know and, and so what shows to me is is that in spite of the fact that obviously eve is a sandbox focused very much on player story part of our story is our ability to interact with the universe's story and there's a fair chunk of people that are very interested in that right and yeah. uh oh the third thing was during the golden age of of faction warfare during that like 2014 to 2016 time period i think it was the thing that really punctuated uh faction warfare what were were known as sieges mm -hmm. okay uh if you take a contested system uh and you try to take it and I mean, we see them even now, although yep. usually now it's like one system that's under focus, but it moves around. And that is where the real excitement comes from, right? Like just going into faction warfare space and just picking a random system and going and running a random plex, your, your results may vary, but the action happens because it gets concentrated and it becomes concentrated because of these sieges. So combining these together my thought would be that we can have this concept of sieges that are invoked by the npc actors okay so like for instance during the mimitar and amar faction warfare collusion event house sorum had nothing to hear it heard nothing of it like did not want this collusion and ordered their supporters to retake one of the systems and end the collusion. And you know what? There is enough people that were more loyal to the MR than they were to the mechanics that they did. They retook the system and broke the uh I think the that's, treaty. that's one of the biggest success stories of faction warfare, I think, and it's something that needs to be touted a lot more, is this idea that there was a, a pact that was made by players you know that was like we're gonna manipulate the game mechanics 
and we're going to do this because this is what we want. And CCP being able to come in and, you know, not hardball, like, just smashing down what was going on, which they can't really do anyways. They came in with this brilliant idea of, let's just have the NPCs say that this is bullshit. This system needs to come back to us. And, and it worked really well, and it's a great, like, interaction between players and CCP that right. is very soft and is, is not, like, a, a directive from CCP. I honestly don't think that CCP had an investment on it going either way because, I mean, the story just kind of unfolds, right? Mm -hmm. The point is, is that the NPC actor would not let that stand, right? Right. Like, yep. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that there is actually a lot of story going on in the background. It's just it doesn't rise to consciousness very often. And so, like, the idea that how Sorum would want to use this opportunity to attack and take Flosiswin makes sense to things that happened before this point, right? And had ramifications to events after that point um and that's part of the point it, it like it isn't that ccp is breaking it or somehow mechanically changing things in order to make the collusion not work they're simply okay the you you do this and the universe reacts to it and then you react back to the universe and by the end of it there is literally an amar uh fleet like diamond rat red rat fleet that attacked and reinforced a Mimitar Astrohus that was owned by one of the Mimitar faction warfare groups that was there uh, at that time. So, like, it was a for realsy, like, the lore characters and the player characters were more or less working together in the fight um, in, in some pretty dramatic ways, which I think is really cool, and I would like to lean more into that. So that leads me, all of that leads me to the idea of campaigns, right? Where, uh... Basically, for the example I like, to, I like to give is, like, right now, Kaldari State owns the uh, system of Intaki. For mm -hmm. those of you who do not know, Intaki is historically a Galente system. In fact, the Intaki people are one of the remaining factions of the Galente. There were some Intaki that split off and made the Intaki Syndicate because they didn't like the Galente's treatment of the Kaldari. But the Intaki, the planet of Intaki, are still full of, you know, Galente natives. And historically, when the Kaldari state take it over, they shit all over it. They dump uh, toxic waste on the planets, they take cultural artifacts, they steal medication, they fight over land rights, they, they, go, they have war against each other between the mega corporations that leave, you know, civilians dead. Um, and, but these all play out, like, in the world news or whatever. So, like, the people that are paying attention can see these things. What I would like to see is, like, and again, so like, this is how dated this is, but like, Rodin, the old president, back when he was, uh, you know, getting ready to run for presidency again, let's see, he wants to keep his presidency, but, uh, or actually, Salus Agard is a perfect example. Salus Agard is all about reinforcement of the boundaries, securing the boundary systems, right? That was her platform that she ran on. And therefore, the fact that Intaki is held by the Kaldari state is unacceptable to the president of the federation and therefore she will launch a campaign ordering all federal uh, you know all loyal to the federation to aid and assist in the liberation of the system of intaki so now for the next two to three uh, weeks the loyalty point gains in intaki system will be doubled or more the uh you know kills within the system will be worth something and you will accrue points through the participation in different things, both in Intaki and in the constellation around the Intaki, 
And in the end, at the end of the two weeks, one of two things will be happening. Either the Galente will have taken it and held it, or the state had held it. And now, that what it, either way of that result could kick back and have ramifications on Celis Agard, right? Now, she can't even protect her own people if the state manages to hold it. This brings her weakened. This makes it so that her political rival begins to have, uh, you know, to rise up because she does have a political rival. There's the senator. I can't remember his name right now. Nobody cares either. So, <laughs> stupid senator. You get, you get what I'm saying, though. Right. Like, no, the, the ability. It, so this, this, this rhythm of like players impacting the story which impacts the players right yeah no that's that's huge like that would be awesome to be able to impact the story to impact other npcs and stuff like that and see that our actions are influencing them and then their reactions are going to influence us um and i think that that's faction warfare is the perfect spot for this because it doesn't really work for npc 0.0 or non-faction warfare space i guess you could make like a whole new mechanic a whole new thing but why not use faction warfare you have it um, right and it i i really like this idea i think that these are some of the things that could really bring um life to faction warfare and i to be honest i don't think that it even needs rewards to begin with just Wh starting with our NPCs interacting with us and our actions influencing the NPCs could be a, a, a beginning that would be beautiful to see at the very least. It's something that since the the actions that happened, you know, by CCP, since the, the you know, ceasefire don't take system, these specific systems, when they got involved in that, I wish that they would have, like, continued to expand on that and continued to do stuff. Because they didn't give extra well, I mean, rewards. They technically they have. Oh but really? You're right. They haven't. They haven't like mechanically followed up on it. I would say. Right. They they haven't mechanically followed up on it. But I, you're saying that they have followed up on it to a certain degree. Is it just in the Mimitar War Zone though that this has happened? Because I haven't seen anything well, for the Keldari Galente, um, which kind of brings me to another question that I'll get to in a little bit. But um, but basically, I haven't heard anything like happening in the Galente War Zone. And I, in fact, I haven't heard anything happening in the Mimitar. Well, it's in Taki. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the two planets that are kind of in play when it comes to the lore story is Intaki 5 and Flosiswin 4. Okay. Intaki 5 was the planet that was, when it was being, you know, when it was owned by the Kaldari last time, was the one that they were fighting over and dumping and having all this sort of stuff. So that's like the planet that was in contention based on the Galente Kaldari side. And Flosiswin has been the source of like basically all Amarian plot from that point on. <laughs> like, everything comes from that. Let me put it to you this way. You know who, you know, the, the commander of the city of Flosiswin when it was overrun? Do you know who that was? No. A guy named Alar Chakade. Do you know that name? No. He's the guy who was who showed up with the EOM with the Titan and Doomsday oh. to Planet. Oh, it's yeah. The same okay. dude. <laughs> okay. That's how much like this this is kind of spiraled out into other things, right? So, in fact, during that attack, during those attacks, one of the places the dreads got attacked was Flosiswin. And what's interesting about that is that that attack doesn't actually match the profiles of the other attacks. So there are continued and uh, like there's this kind of assumption that what really happened was that the dread attacks that were happening in all the other places were in fact the EOM doing that 
And, but Flosiswin was how Sorum making a strike because they saw an opportunity to take cover with the other terrorist attacks. <laughs> uh, so it what, gets it, it gets ugly. It, it, I see. I find this stuff really fascinating. One of the things that I feel disappointed from CCP's angle on what they do with their lore is that they keep it low key as fuck. And I really yeah. don't like that. I it's I think, it's I th so well, rich, it's so beautiful. I feel like it's the things that should be all over the monitors that they have, repeating the same thing over and over again. That just are throughout the entire game. When you dock, when you're flying near a gate, there's all these like things to start telling you what's going on in the game. And instead of telling you what's happening in their lore, these things that they could be keeping up with, dated, keeping us updated with, they just do random commercials with some minor things that I've seen in there that are kind of cool. But in general, how do we find out about this stuff? Like, how do you find out or how do you get engaged with it? I know that the scope reports I've seen, and that's the most way that I, that I get my information. Yeah. And I know there's like lore uh, on the website that you can go and dig into like 40 right. billion pages worth of really good writing, really good lore. Um, I've read some of it. One of my friends has like, since quit eve but he has read every piece of lore that ccp published officially on their website um but is there any other way to to find uh this lore out yeah so you mentioned the scope videos there's one piece about the scope videos because i know that some people like or some people complain about how they don't come out as much as before you know whatever i just want to remind everybody that the scope videos were literally like effectively a labor of love of one person who made them happen right and who continue to make them happen so like they make them when they can mm -hmm. but uh but like obviously that can't be their absolute priority and it's a lot uh, of work that... to make a good video like uh right making a shitty video just recently took me a long ass fucking time um and i'm pretty shitty at it but even being really good at what you're doing when it comes to video making is it's a it's it's a labor of love more than <laughs> more than profit because i mean to a certain degree you can you i mean these things are good for them to engage the players and stuff but it's no you don't get a direct profit like i put out this video it made us x amount of money yeah especially since honestly like a lot of people like the scope videos but even then like the number of scope videos that get highly engaged with rather than like the ones that just kind of go under the radar isn't that great like when you think of scope videos there's probably a few you could probably think of like a dozen, but like there's 40, 50 plus or whatever scope videos. A lot of them became noise. In fact, a lot of people that say that they love the scope videos don't even know that there is a new scope video from uh, the anniversary of Poachman. So, um, you know, that is a struggle. And uh, but CCP absolutely has difficulty putting their uh, lore up front and center, partially because historically the player base have told them not to. <laughs> Right. Oh, really? that, that, uh, yeah. Well, the idea, it's a focus on players. It's, right? it is a like, you're why, right. Yep. No, that's why true. would we do anything involving the the the, the universe? And, it's just framework, whatever. And that is kind of interesting that a lot of the scope videos that they do have and stuff is about the player wards that are happening out in 0.0 .0 and stuff like that. Right. It is it's some really good, to make stuff. It a good mix. Right. Then. Um, and that is something that I, I really appreciate in the sense that they do report on a lot of player stuff. I just wish that they would make their their lore a little bit more... I don't know. There's a, cer a certain level of... I love how much players control EVE Online, 
but it the more and more that CCP like doesn't play their own game or interact with the players directly inside of the game, I feel like there's a disconnect that happens there that would be really healthy for such a heavy player influenced game because it's kind of like right. I kind of want the the developers and stuff to be players of this game and to interact with us not just in the sense that they're hiding that they're a player and they don't talk about you know and they stay in you know high sec and low sec don't get involved in 0.0 politics like I, I get that kind of stuff but I, I want this whole other interaction um, and I think that this you know having um, campaigns would be really awesome um, and would right. be like the proper step in the right direction where it would be seated inside of your um, activities list or the what, what is it the hell is that called the new uh, the agency the agency um, yeah. you know if, if that could just like be like oh here's an event that's happening for faction warfare you know um, right the the only thing that sucks is that you can't just jump into faction warfare without abandoning your corporation um, well, that's the whole point is that like it, it offers you an opportunity to come and take part for two weeks. And that's why like the reward, you said no rewards. But so one of the things I found really interesting in the big last big round table that I participated in for Faction Warfare, help moderate for uh, the takeaway that I found most striking was almost universally the players did not want better rewards in Faction Warfare. In fact, they wanted less ISK in faction warfare they i said, think that it's mess does mess with um the game to a certain like the farming they and... don't they don't want people that's there just for isk they right. want people that are there for the territory they want people that there are there because they care about their team and so what they wanted was titles and jackets and medals and and you know recognition right it doesn't um, need to be isk yeah it, the right. the better thing is recognition weird metals weird like that yeah absolutely i completely agree. right so so what i was thinking is that there would be like an intaki campaign medal that if you participate so much then you get that if you get so, ranked so high then you can get just like in the real military like the you know accommodation medals medals of valor you know whatever uh and with it being a constrained thing now you have something to show and talk about you have, you know, you could actually have the agency give, you know, some form of analysis of how things are going, how much it's changed, how many ships have died, how many points you've earned, and then in the end, you have this record of of like who participated, who did best, which corporation did the most, all these kinds of things, and that gets locked in. Everybody gets their medals, all that sort of stuff, and now you don't get the Intaki medal, campaign medal again until the constellation that Intaki is in comes back up for. Uh, uh, an event awesome yeah definitely um so um real quick kind of little change of pace here well um, I, I wanted to answer oh, the, go ahead. We, we didn't actually answer the actual question <laughs> uh so there's scope oh yeah there's uh there but if you want the real live feed of information if you want to mainline it into your veins uh there is the world news feed the world news feed comes out much more often than the scope videos and often well all scope videos are part of the world news feed but not all world news articles are part of the part of the scope and so that's where a lot of the real news comes out and following the headlines between those things is how you can see things play out over time right like you'll see that this group is preparing to do this in this one and then like 
two two weeks later they come out with a new world news and it like the the situation develops so you can kind of follow these beats you know what's going on in Scarcon, what's going on in Intaki, what's going on in Flosaswin, by kind of following the headlines over over time um and also you know they have two or three articles usually about every uh every episode now one of the things that my friend has done um can i post something on the chat absolutely yep. send the chat is you. open to, to so this is a github um but really what it is is this github is an archive of every single world news that has come out github is a place to store text documents and github is searchable therefore if you go to this place you can search for any term and it'll spit out every single time that that has been used in the history of the world news so this has been very handy for me like when i was doing my research on celis agard right how the fuck am i going to figure out the last time she was ever mentioned right like i don't know <laughs> but if i can run a search well celis and then it's like oh shit she ran for presidency in like 2006 or 2008 or whatever right like how would i have found that otherwise so uh but either way staying uh, staying they they are very quiet about the world news they don't they don't make a big deal about releasing them uh and is that something that's I, on the website that the yeah. is, okay so it's, yeah, it's yeah, part of can, the official eve website the world news right so there's uh if you go to universe.eveonline.com that is their new lore portal uh yep. which is actually pretty decent now um they've also moved in a lot of stuff from uh from like the their books and moved them into the universe.eveonline.com like for instance there was three chronicles that were in the frigates of eve book but were not accessible otherwise now they are able to be read on that um website which is kind of nice either way there uh oh yeah um and then i just linked if you go to universe.eveonline.com slash new dash eden dash news that is the world news feed and you can even set up an rss feed for it too Oh, cool. I might do yeah. that, actually, because... Well, that's how uh, Isabel's thing works, is that it just reads it off of the RSS right. feed. Yep, smart. Sweet, I'm going to bookmark that real quick here. Awesome, mm -hmm. that's great. That is that is going to be super helpful with uh, reporting on the news. <laughs> yeah, and and at the end of every world news, so there's like I said, there's usually about two or three articles. Um, like, for instance, the latest one is about... Um, New Eden's YC one. This is the uh, New Year's edition. YC one. Uh, New Year's y YC one twenty three ends as Yule festival celebrations usher in one YC one twenty four. So it's talking about like how all the different factions are celebrating the New Year, uh, and then Concord Inner Circle reportedly considered Edencom intelligence report on diplomatic opportunities with Triglavian clades. That's the kind of line that people should probably be paying attention to. It keeps mm -hmm. cropping. It, cop it keeps cropping up. There's a whole thing about it. Um, and then Interbus reports decrease in accidents during Yule Festival spaceship safety campaign. That's literally just those those uh, Yule posters, the Yule ad. Um, what are they called? I can't remember what they're called in game now. But there's little items for the yep. Icelandic thing. At any rate, uh, and then spatial temporal data anomalies detected as New Eden experiences increase in volatile ice storms in relationship to the winter event. Outrage as shipments of Minda Lair's rock operas areas on a crimson chalice intercepted in bleak lands. Interesting. Federation protests lawless atmosphere of placid region, region systems under Kaldari state occupation. So that's that that's... straight up calling out faction warfare. 
That is, yeah, no, I like that. See, this is and then there's this a whole is bunch the of stuff that I need to bring up a lot in the Federation Frontline Report, I think, uh, when we do our news sections and stuff like that. So this is going to be... This is gonna be awesome. Just to kind of like I'm supposed to be reading these, but I haven't actually gotten to do a read of this one yet because, like, I've done the previous two, but I didn't do this one yet because I've had so much other stuff to talk about with the Doctor Who event and stuff. But I really should come back and and make sure to wrap this one up. So you do videos on these, like, uh, usually like yeah. going over everything that uh, is being said on. That's that's awesome. I got it. Well, I right now I've just, I I've tried to just do a reading of it. Because I know a lot of people don't want to read it. Like, I, I will do analysis and, and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just fact, getting the, the reading is pretty huge. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just want to be able to put on a YouTube video, kick it to 1.25, and, like, know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Hear everybody in the chipmunk voice. So, um, so speaking of Doctor Who, how that's been tying you up, um, I haven't done anything with this event. There's two days left on the event here um and it, and i know you've been doing like a deep dive into this what what can you tell us what's um is is it too late to get involved i know we touched a base on this a little bit that you said it kind of paves the road here but tell me what 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 did you find out from this event what what did you see when you dug into it so the people that are watching live definitely could still finish the event right like um there's a couple of things about it first of all uh I'll break it down a little bit. There's two different ways of kind of looking at it. First of all, uh, the way it works, unlike other events, previous events have had sites. And you go and do the sites. And there might be harder sites in part of the other area space. And maybe different kinds of sites, like mining sites or whatever, right? Hacking sites. Uh, And really, you just keep on doing the sites. And the tasks reward you. And then you work your way up the track. But it's really just the same task over and over again, more or less. Well, this is actually closer to like a real journey, right? Where the way it works is that you can hunt down and scan down the uh, warp matrix convergence sites, which are a tier one relic site that appears everywhere. They're more more frequent in low sec, um, but they're the same everywhere. And what they drop is the pieces to make what's called a curious filament. When you use the curious filament, then you go into the tier one exploration site which is basically a 30 minute timer you're in a weird environment it's really pretty uh and there's like probably like 15 20 cans uh you know of like moderate uh, you know easy to moderate difficulty and what you get there are the pieces to build several of the other keys you can build the precarious which are the first tier combat fight the sites you can build the mysterious or sorry the uh, enigmatic which are the uh, tier 2 exploration sites and you can even get some of the stuff or you can even theoretically get a mysterious which is the tier 2 or tier 3 exploration and the uh, the hazardous yeah hazardous which is the tier 2 combat and then you do those to complete the st- to get the stuff to get into the tier 3 combat sites and then the tier 4 combat sites um, tier once you get like at least one step past curious you're probably going to get a skin every exploration site and quite a few of the combat sites. Combat sites, you get much less because there's only one wreck, but they go super fast, right? The combat sites are just um, a single saucer with Daleks that respawn, and then uh, there are these different towers. And basically, the number of Daleks in the spawn and the number of towers are what denotes how hard it is. The easiest one has no respawns of Daleks, 
and no towers. The second one has, uh, you know, s smaller respawns of Daleks, but two towers, one in each direction, uh, that can do quite a bit of damage if you don't get to them fast enough. And then tier three doubles them, so now there's two towers in each direction. Um, and then the tier four has three sets of two towers uh, to go after. I think it's three sets of two. Uh, I know it's three sets. So, um, and getting those towers down quickly, the thing is, is that they are like 50 kilometers away or more, but they have almost no hit points. So as soon as you can project to them, they're gone, but they're doing an incredible amount of damage. The Daleks are nuding you. The saucer, uh, shoots big bursts of damage, but shoots very slowly, uh, and, but also launches bombs that can, uh, that damage your capacitor. So yeah, if you let it overwhelm you, it can take, it can take you out really quick. Yeah, it looks like but, uh, no meaning is talking about like pro tip: burn towards the closest group of towers, kill them, and keep going in the direction that they were at. Uh, right. Don't. So there's the boundaries there are two of things the sites that you're don't advantage. kill you; they teleport you to the other side. Exactly. That's Ooh, what I was about wow, to talk about. Wow, that's crazy. So you, have, so you have two advantages at your disposal when it comes to going through these combat sites. First and foremost, there are red buffs and blue buffs within the room. And each room is, it's not randomized, right? So like every tier three uh, uh, combat room will be exactly the same when it comes to the positioning of the buffs, so you can learn them, right? So uh, these buffs speed you up by 200%, which means that my caracal goes from going like 700 meters per second to 2.2 meter, uh, K meters per second. Which is pretty fun. Uh, it doubles your 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 attack speed or half again your attack speed. It, like it increases all of your stuff. So that's what gets you capable, right? Like if you can grab that blue buff that's right there, then that makes you fast enough and strong enough to be able to take down those those threats right away. And the second thing that's at your disposal is what he was talking about, which is that these sites are basically abyssal pockets, but rather than a boundary that destroys you when you go through it. What it basically does is micro jump drive you 150 kilometers backwards. Oh, so okay. <laughs> you go out one side and you come in the other. And since the towers are on opposite sides of each other, you just burn towards the closest one, kill it, then charge straight past it into the wall, which jumps you within 12 kilometers of the other tower and then kill it really quick and then <laughs> burn back to the saucer and help out your buddy killing the saucer. That's, oh, cool. I have to try these. So I can just go and buy a filament and jump into these combat sites if I want. Yeah, so what I was saying, uh, I think it was before I mean, there's, the show. There's the tier and stuff like that that you can do to get it all. Um, right. But you can also just go and, and just buy all a lot of the stuff on the market. Because I've been hearing there's a lot of money to actually be made. And there's objectives on the market, right? Yes, there's actually objectives to buy and sell your materials and even to sell like a key, right? Like you're, you're supposed to build a filament and sell it. And that's and that's the other way of... So the, the two ways of dividing up the event is combat versus exploration right you can do the exploration sites which are increasing difficulty to the point where the mysterious are you know 10 to 15 cans where over half of them are like sleeper red difficulty right where you've got suppressors with 70 resist uh you know coherence and just it's 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 a nightmare uh but you know for good hackers uh, like myself. No, we, you can get you can get them all done, and you, that's when you can get like the most amount of treasure per key, more or less. Like I get two to three skins per mysterious that I do. 
Um, and in fact, tier three mysterious is the lowest tier thing that will get, let you get dapper suits and uh, the scarves that we've seen. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I really want to get a scarf. That's uh, I know you can buy it. It was one of my one of my buddies was like, yeah, right. I didn't do the uh, the missions and stuff, but I did. I, I was the sucker that just bought all the cool stuff because, you know, you well, can't you can't that. buy the dapper suit. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. They only come from drops, and those are only going to increase in value, right? Like, there's not going to be, there's always going to be a new Doctor Who fan coming into the game. There's always going to be more people finding it and wanting it, and so mm. like and these things are going to be stupid valuable. You know, yep. Less people um, that'll that'll be playing the game that actually have it, at, you know, as the future goes on, because that's just you know reality of you know. Yeah, happens. people that have it quit, and then it's now locked on their account or whatever. Um, or they just don't make it available and they just stash it away in some box. Increase in scarcity. Anyway, any rate, um, so there's the exploration versus the combat, but then there's progression versus reward, which is probably, it sounds like a weird dichotomy to make, but let's be honest. The reward track isn't the big isk makers, right? Like it's, it, you get drugs and you get some, some red versus blue skins, um, and that's cool it's good to do it's good to do the track and get those skins to be able to say that you did it you know all that stuff and if you feel like you want to progress and the the that has its own puzzle to it what i like about that is you end up what i end up with is a bunch of piles of all the different strange materials a whole bunch of blueprints and a bunch of tools like i have my combat ship and i have my exploration ship and i basically play a game of what's next right <laughs> like okay what's next oh i have to hack a site okay okay i have to site okay what's next Oh, I have to sell the stuff. Okay, I sell the stuff. Okay, what's next? Oh, I have to... But it keeps mixing it up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that is actually one of the things I really like about it, is the fact that if you want to progress, you basically have to cycle between the different tasks in order to maximize your progression. So in that case, you would literally just like get the keys that you need or do the stuff that you need in order to just complete the stuff and get the points. That's if you want to complete the track in the next two days. But if you just want the cool prizes... And the skins that drop and you know whatever then just buy some tier three tier four filaments and run them and hope that you get a dapper suit or you know run it get some tier three mystic and and start having fun with those and the thing is is that those sites also drop a whole bunch of stuff so you kind of get to a point where you sort of have an engine where you only have to buy like maybe one or two materials that you just happen to not have which is actually another big thing i want to say one of the things that people keep thinking about is like, oh, I have to grind so many sites in order to get my first key or to get keys. Something that CCP Fozzie said repeatedly that I think a lot of people didn't catch was it's designed such that people will use the market to get the pieces that they are missing. And mm -hmm. I don't think that people like thought about what that means, designed to do that. Well, the answer is, is that the drops for the strange materials are... While not rare, there's enough different strange materials that chances are you haven't gotten them all yet. Right, but it's kind of like a ton. One, you gotta get all the resources. <laughs> right, but, but more importantly, when you get one, you get too many. Right, yeah, yeah. You end up, yeah, you'll end, and yeah, just so, the way that numbers and random works that you're gonna probably... Like the, they come in, in, in infrequent but big piles. Okay. I went from I have no uh, 79 to I have 80 79. <laughs> you know why 79 so now i have basically the way it works is because there's no necessarily uh there, there's reasons why all four of the materials could be scarce to any given person 
you could just go out and find stuff and you have a one in four chance at best of finding the material that you're missing or you can sell some of the material that you have excess of and buy some of the material that you're missing there you go see yep. that's what they mean it's and designed that way yep absolutely uh, I, uh, Commander Cotton Fluff says, uh, "How many times have you forgotten to push the redeem button this event?" You're Holy getting better. Shit. Okay, so that is the real problem. Okay, <laughs> like that is actually legitimately. I've complained about this every single event, and the fact that, like, as an ADHD person, I feel like this I, uh, attacked by the fact that I have to make sure to remember to hit the button, otherwise I'm not making progress again. But the issue is, is that because of the fact that your progression is actually more infrequent, like. It's not like uh, you can't train your brain, right? Like I make the mistake of not completing my tasks. In a previous event, you have a task at the beginning. You have a task when you kill enough rats, and then you have a task to kill the boss. Okay, well, if I forget to hit the task at the beginning, then the rats I kill don't count towards it, and then it like gums up, and then I don't get counted for the boss, but then the next one I run will finish it or whatever, right? Right. So I get punished for that. But what I what my brain does is after you know a little while of this it learns like I I suddenly feel like as I'm activating the gate I'm like oh I should push the thing, as I'm as I'm getting about halfway through I'm like you know I should really check to see whether or not the task has been clicked you know all that sort of stuff like I know to check in, but because what triggers the the button changes all the times and the frequency in which I do get to finish a task changes uh, all the time I forget all the time. Oh yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying, like, literally, when I'm running things and when I'm trying to progress are two totally different things for me. Because when I'm trying to progress, I'm collecting big amounts of matter, I'm trying to get a bunch of keys so that way I can do everything, and then I go, okay, now that I have everything, what does the tasks want me to do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this sounds like a great event. Um, I hope that uh, we get more kind of cool just things that uh new not necessarily crossover events but just new events i always um not just the recite we've got some good recyclable events right. that are out there that are i love i love them when they come up uh the winter event is my favorite um new ish uh event um that they've kind of come out with um and but you know like the the halloween event the you know I, all that stuff is really great um, yeah. But I, I just I, I really like when there's this special cool stuff going on in Eve Online, and there was a big uproar of weirdness from Reddit, which you know, grain of salt Reddit usually because they're ninety percent of them not playing the game anyways. But um, <laughs> it's a uh, I I found it to be really kind of cool, um, and the the talks that you had with CCP about it. Um, really brought it in for me as being like, yeah, this is the, you know, people were like, I saw a lot of complete, oh, I'm not making a billion isk, you know, in the first 20 minutes of doing this, this is ridiculous. Or, you know, or realistically, I guess they were like, you know, I did it for five hours and I didn't make my billions of isk that I normally oh. would make at my other events. And they even said at the beginning of this, this isn't about making money. This is like a crazy crossover event to get some cool skins and stuff like that. And you, and, but I guess you, you can make a lot of money. You just had to be different. You, uh, Joe Bain said that he made like 40 billion isk or I don't know, some crazy amount of isk off of just trading in the market where you just so, buy, buy low, sell high. You, right. So um, there's that. But also the reason why this event hooked me, I'll tell you this, because I kind of have this pattern. I'm not going to lie. I do my like stream stuff and all that stuff. And then usually like my chill out game for the evening, as I said, was like Final Fantasy 14, partially because when I'm wanting to chill out, 
I don't necessarily want to have to be smashing decent or anything like, like I just want to like have a totally different types of game. However, after the after the second day of the event, because they had to fix a bunch of bugs on the first day, after the second day of the event, when progress was like, or sorry, third day of the event, because the second day you couldn't <laughs> make any progress either. So on the first day of real progress, I remember like going like figuring out what I'm going to do for the evening. And it suddenly occurred to me that what's really going on is that this is a race, right? That at this exact moment, no one is running tier fours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The capability of building them hasn't been made yet, which means whoever gets there. That's also when I noticed that the dapper suits are not on sale on the on uh, the store. Oh, right. And that's yeah. when I was like, oh, oh. This is a race to get the first dapper suit. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I'm pretty sure the first dapper suit sold for something like five billion. And they're still <laughs> selling for like a billion and a half. And most of them were selling for like three billion. So and that's during the event. Right. How much are those things going to be worth in a year when when we still have Doctor Who fans, but they don't have an event to get it from like that? Yes, there is isk in this freaking event. dude. <laughs> like I've made probably about a billion out of this event. And but that's the other thing is, is that a lot of people don't think when they think about how much events are worth, they often fail to fully process how much the event is actually worth. Right. Especially uh, one time because... events or one time skins like those uh, those crazy uh, drone skins that are out there that I've seen. Oh, cryptic um, Mimesis. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, they're not that expensive on the market yet, but I, if they don't release those that again soon in an event, I I would I would drop five billion on it just to like if there was the only way to get it was five billion, like yeah. I, I, well, the simple one, I, Purity of the Throne. Purity of the Throne were like less than a million per when they came out, but that event happened four years ago, <laughs> and you know what? Princess Catus is only going to be coronated once, so. That's Chances it. are <laughs> that skin isn't coming back. And you now see, you know, copies of that skin that are going for 60 million, which may not seem like much for but a skin, but it was 500,000. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the price increase. It's like saying that, well, my house is worth like, you know, a, a million dollars now or like, you know, $200,000 now. It's like, oh, that's not that much money. And they're like, well, yeah, but I bought it at $10,000 or I built it at $5,000. Like. Uh, <laughs> it's it's an insane growth there uh one of the things that uh style star was asking is how long do you think it would take to completely finish the the whole event is it something I, that can be done in a day or i posted pretty regular updates i'm pretty sure it took me a little bit longer than last event last event i completed in one stream i'm pretty sure i completed it over the course of two days like so there's the first two days when it was all broken mm -hmm. and then you know Within a day or two after that, I had it completed. Okay. But even then, like, that was me, like, not doing it the efficient way. That was me finding the stuff. And, you know, there wasn't there wasn't stuff to buy on the market yet, you know? Right. So you're not being, um, you weren't able to speed it at that point. This time, you, right. today, you'd probably be able to do it a lot quicker if you're just buying the shit off the market and not mm -hmm. trying to find it all yourself, you know, just going for that. Like you said, just grab those tier four you know uh filaments and go 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 hunting you know well yeah if you want to do the event though like there are like the tasks oh are but all then there's the, the task yes the whole yeah. task tasks yes so you do and have tier to do four a bunch is, of different is hard as hell and hard to get so tier fours are actually going to be like tier three is probably the sweet okay. spot where most people should like reasonably look towards tier four is deadly uh and 
I'll put it this way. I have yet to actually build my first perilous filament because I'm still missing one material. Oh, okay. Yep. So yeah. So it's it's a lot of uh, a lot and of I've work built, to get through all of that. All right. I've either built or ran fifteen dangerous, which is the tier of combat before that. Okay. Maybe twenty. And tier four is the highest you can go. That's the tier four is the highest. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, tier four combat, tier three exploration. Because so both of them have two tiers. Both of them have four different tiers. It's just the exploration tier one exploration is the the case based sites that you scan down. Right, so there's three filament tiers for exploration, and there's four filament tiers for combat. Okay, yep. Um, so one thing I just wanted to touch base on real quick, because I've seen you've been putting out some videos on this, and I haven't had a chance to kind of sit down, and I think it might be kind of interesting to talk about it with just on this the show here. Um, what have you learned about NFTs? What what is oh, what the hell are NFTs? What the fuck is going on with this whole weird shit? Like, okay, um... I've, I've gone on a journey, right? <laughs> uh, this is something that isn't really well understood. And, and this is also, you know, I come from a software development, like, world. So, like, I remember uh, think considering buying Bitcoin when it was, like, 30 units a, 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 a coin. So, like... Yeah, know, no, I remember. I, re I do remember that time as well. And I was like... so. Yeah, yeah, you no. know what? <laughs> but like, I worked at a software development company, so there were people that were all getting into it and stuff. I feel dumb, but either way, um, there there have been a couple of really good videos that have come out about it. Josh Strife Hayes came out with a 22 minute video that kind of explains NFTs from a gamer perspective and why it's sort of problematic. And then, like immediately after that, uh a really good YouTube channel called Folding Ideas came out with a two-hour, 18-minute long breakdown of the history of it, where it came from, its technology, the people that are invested in it. And let me tell you, it is garbage all the way down. Like, I even, you know, for a long time, I was like, oh, well, you know, the, the current iteration is dumb, but the underlying technology is interesting. But the more you look into it, the more you realize that the underlying technology is also pretty darn problematic and potentially completely unsustainable. Um, the entire shtick came out of the housing you know, crisis, out of the housing bubble, because they couldn't continue to do this mortgage stuff. And so like, out, as, they were, as we were recovering from the housing bubble or housing crash, that's when Bitcoin came up, right? Like, so it's it, from the very beginning the biology of it, like the dna of it and the people that are most behind it are the very same shady people that are literally not even allowed to trade in normal stuff anymore because they've gotten in trouble wow. but nfts aren't normal stuff anymore yeah. so they can like, it's just ah that like, seems I pretty mean, shady good uh, that's a good a good good quick break breakdown on uh and yeah I've, i haven't heard anything good so far other than like people that are not not necessarily good but just you know the companies that are like you're gonna make lots of money off of this you're like this is how you're gonna make this is how you're gonna pay your mortgage in the future and it's like, yeah well there, there is a thing so. there right there is a thing there but it's basically the same as like saying databases right like it's just a different way of storing data it's a technology that quite frankly hasn't matured yet mm -hmm. there are still some pretty significant issues that they haven't worked out past and they just hand wave away 
Uh, a good example of this is proof of work, right? The entire function that goes off of proof of work, which is these massive calculations that these computers have to do in order to do it. And this is like the whole like Bitcoin mining or Ethereum mining and stuff like that. That's what's really happening is that you're processing these proof of works and hoping that you are the first ones to complete it. And then you get your Ethereum and that's how the blockchain works. But here's the problem with that. This is why Bitcoin is so slow for transactions. This is why, um, you know, a lot of the Ethereum costs so much to mint is because like as this becomes more popular by definition there's a diminishing returns against effort so the real nightmare scenario about bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies are the only reason why they've actually successfully functioned up until this date is because they have not received uh extreme adaptation or like adoption right okay, yeah. like so if they'd as soon actually as accepted a, a, if they'd actually succeeded in their goal of to the moon then the actual architecture that makes cryptocurrency work would not be able to catch up keep up with the actual work needed to make it function mm, okay that's a problem interesting um so um also gonna t take us on just another kind of different track here uh um, please um, yeah, away from away from <laughs> weird, weird, just weird shit that uh, I don't know. I'm like, so tired I'm, of talking about apes. <laughs> I just I, I I always find it to look at it from afar and go, that's interesting. Moving on, um, even even Bitcoin, as much as it, I wish I would have not been like, that's interesting. Moving on, I I just I don't know. I just don't want to deal with that shit sometimes. <laughs> um, it, it's literally trading cards. Right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's taking something useless. Uh, you know, cardboard or a unit, you know, a place in a database, and it's putting something on it that makes people, it convinces people that it's worth something. Yeah, it's the same. I, it. Yeah, I guess that's the reason why I didn't get into magic either. Is that just is like, I mean, I did, I played it, but I would never was those one of those functions. trying to get. Yeah, yeah, at least it does some <laughs> something for you. Um, yeah, baseball cards is actually. Yeah, that's a much better analogy. Completely uh, useless ish. I guess not completely. You know, there's. Stats, for information, I mean, there's, you know... Yeah, and you can look at your picture of your NFT, too. I mean, you can set it as your avatar now on Twitter. Congratulations. Uh, anyways, mo moving away from NFTs. Please. Um, real quick, um, we had talked a little bit at the beginning of the, the show last time that we had talked about the world of darkness. Um, yes. And how you used to be involved in this. This is something that's like a huge passion of mine. Um, it's got minor relations to EVE Online due to the merger and loss of and not the creation of and all the things. But I just, I, I always find it really kind of interesting. Um, do you have any cool stories from your time or do you still play today is this is this an ongoing journey for it's an ongoing journey for me so i i still run yeah. i run games at like gen con and stuff i haven't for a played in a while i haven't played in a few years but um i would like to again i guess so one of my favorite stories is um we were playing a game that was closer to like a hunter group where it was you know one there's two people that were vampire there was a vamp uh, uh, a werewolf and a changeling i think it was so there's like <laughs> Ooh, a venture. mixed game yeah so it's like it, the idea is i call it like a hellboy campaign you know the the we brought together a, a group of monsters to hunt the monsters sort of situation <laughs> set in chicago and so like uh the ventru had a um uh riverboat uh, i guess you know in chicago they have like rich people have 
their own boat just in the lake, right? So, you know, a lake boat, I guess is what you'd call it. Uh, and so that was like his haven um, and used it as a base of operations. And there's all this, you know, there's this mystery unfolding and dealing with this wizard mage cabal and all that stuff. And then I got orders to leave. And so I had, to, suddenly I had two weeks to leave. And so this campaign went from, well, you know, this perpetual unfolding story to, well, we got to wrap this up in two weeks. So the way I managed this was that in the next adventure, uh, the Ventru woke up at the, you know, one night, went out, opened the door, and there were basically four uh, suicide vests filled with TNT. And that was it. I just put that into play. And so then the Ventru uh, invited all the people over and then dominated them to try to get them to go and like just do what the venture needed to be done and sacrifice themselves because he he also like they've been there's been rivalries between them so this was a great way to deal with his rivals and the problems that he had uh one of them resisted the werewolf resisted which ended up like this big scuffle on there the changeling <laughs> so the changeling won one of didn't win the resistance role but changelings are weird and so one like his his fey magic ability and so he showed up at the location of the mage cabal's uh you know haven which or like headquarters which was a bookshop uh but rather than an actual suicide vest he now has you know this burlap sack with a string that's connected to like a sewn button because he basically changed changelingified it even in his own like being zoned out by being dominated so then he presses the button which fulfills the requirements of the ventru and then he's free. And so he charges back to go try to deal with what's going on. You know, like it was just it, it was hilarious because it was, you know, these players had been working together. But, you know, these rivalries between the players had come too. And so all I needed to do is give them the catalyst and they just ripped each other apart. <laughs> so you normally would be the, the storyteller then. Uh, often. Often. Yeah. That Well, of course. Well, if, if you ever hear that somebody story tells and they tell you a story about when, you know, the, the game and it's them being the storyteller. It's like, okay, so you're the, the storyteller, you know, normally. Uh, right. <laughs> it's, it's just the curse of being a storyteller. So I just always, I always find that those kind of like little tidbits about uh, the people that we interview always kind of interesting <laughs> to hear about different activities, other, other things that they're interested in. So speaking of which, um, kind of wrapping it up here, but before we do, do you have any projects that you're currently working on? Anything that you, you want to promote? Well, uh, I just got done filming six hours total across two days in which I went over every single thing that I could possibly think of when it came to fittings. Ooh. We started from ship selection down to the use of the UI for the fitting window and then going into all of the options for high slots, how guns work, turrets versus missiles, all that kind of stuff. We went to mid slots and talked about shield tanks and prop mods and E-War systems and different races E-Wars and all that kind of stuff. At the low slots, we talked about, you know, uh, everything from like the attribute bonuses to the weapons bonuses to the uh, armor tank and how all that worked, the differences between those. Rigs, calibration, there's so much information in that. Uh, it, it was a complete brain dump. And, and thankfully, I had more than a few big name people bop, uh, you know, drop in uh, every once in a while. And so there was contributions to things that I missed you know, oh, as we good. went along. Yep. Uh, so it's a, it's a 
I, I'm currently going through the process of trying to like chapter it out and making it ready for like YouTube or whatever. It's taking longer than I expected mm -hmm. because my entire real life has been completely slammed since that last stream to literally just now. Um, or like, you know, the, went the start of this stream. But uh, um, I wanted to make a f like a, as comprehensive a fitting guide as possible. So yes, it's a lot of information, but it's the kind of thing that if you can sit through it, I guarantee you that there's more than a few things that you're going to learn. Um, and I try to look at it because like I, my, my, what I hate about the way the Eve online is presented is that each thing, excuse me, each thing is presented to you independently. It is a Corelli a type armor repper. What does that mean? Well, don't worry about it. That's just the one you need. <laughs> okay. Well, what makes it a type? What makes it Corelli? If I can't get an A-type Corelli or if it's too expensive, what would be a good alternative? Why would it be a good alternative? What if I wanted to go get my own A-type Corelli armor repper? Where would I go to look for that? Um, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, so yeah, there there's are... all these nuances to to right. Eve Online's fittings that you don't. You, Ninety yeah. percent of of PVPers don't really give a shit. It just well, they, yeah, my, they get that main to, thing, but they get but that information is important, like you're saying. Right. My goal is to it was to capture as many of the meta rules as possible, right? Like compact modules mean that they ha take less fitting, and lasers in general are more accurate and project better than other weapons. And and uh, you know, uh, artillery are the furthest shooting, but slowest, you know, and therefore highest at alpha hybrid or uh, lasers and turrets are di or sorry projectiles are diametrically opposed to each other in functionality every race is t2 is uh, t or tank for their t2 ships are specialized to defend themselves against the damage type of their opposing faction you know there's all these different rules that if you just see the resistance profile of a guardian you don't realize that the reason why the Guardian has a particularly high explosive uh, uh, thing isn't just because it's T2 and so therefore better. It's that it's T2 and therefore hostile against the Mimitar's build and the Mimitar's uh, damage type is explosive. Yep. So that's what you would expect. You know, so trying to actually like unlock real understanding rather than just memorization and like fitting you know here's fits right i tried yeah. to avoid talking about individual fits um i talked about concepts you know like the new tristan or logi ships or you know how things work together in practice or what sort of things you manifest that we see manifested but i didn't want to break down like individual fits and how they work it was more about like how well, well the module here's works. the question why the... I, right i didn't go over the the new tristan fit but i did explain why a new Tristan being a close range bla uh, brawler uses newts, webs, and afterburner, but wouldn't use a target painter or a micro warp drive, right? right. Yep. That when you see the, you know, when you see a micro warp drive in a web, you kind of go, uh, you know, you you ask questions or like if you see a disruptor, a micro warp drive, and a, and a web, you're like, well, what range are you wanting to engage at, right? So understanding how the pieces actually fit together was what I was striving for. Um, so there's that and. Uh, that's the kind of thing like I've been trying to do with my uh, YouTube videos. Uh, so if, I guess uh, overall, this is just an advertisement for to go to my YouTube and subscribe. Because what I do is when I do my Twitch streams, I do it in such a way that the goal is to be able to break them down to make good content for YouTube as well.
So uh, as you pointed out, the, the, the video about Faction Warfare and how I'd fix it, that was just a subsection of a larger Twitch stream. Mm -hmm. But I structure my Twitch streams as such that they can be broken into these logical components so that way you can enjoy them as just topics on YouTube. Yeah, that's awesome. I really like what you do there. And yeah, I highly suggest go check out Astarathe's uh, channel. We'll put a link in the show notes and everything for people to uh, go check that out for sure. Um, last Other not than that, I, I will say also, uh, if people are interested in taking part, the Convocation of Empyreans is recruiting and we are here to maximize player engagement with EVE Online. So if you want to come and participate, get access to our you know stuff, learn, be part of a community that will help you grow and uh you know get help from me about whatever you need you can go ahead and go to our notion actually well you should go to our notion either way uh, we have a wiki uh it's linked from the uh eve academy website but i can get you the um the url too but uh we try to keep guides and information there both for people within the convocation but also in general like I have uh you know a whole section on the abyss with a bunch of information there and, and whatnot so um yeah, and you can come there and you can either check out the stuff that we provide or just or join the convocation if you're interested. Cool. Also, I'll make sure to add that as well into the show notes there. Um, and then last but not least, um, do you have any shout outs that you want to give? I do. My shout out is to uh, I've got two to Jay Coon and to uh, Jack Goller. These get the I've had, as I mentioned, I've been focusing on trying to make it so that there's like a really solid uh, leadership core underneath me that actually people like understand their purpose and their interwoven connection with each other. And therefore, you know, people know who to go to with different problems and they can communicate with each other. Jay has been with our group since before you know back in faction warfare he's the guy who first developed our lp buyback program uh what you know he's been great every time i've just handed him a problem he's helped me or, you know he's crunched through it and served it well and now he's our coo and by god uh you know he's really helping making make all of this stuff work and the other guy i want like i said jack goller he's relatively newer but uh he is uh, aggressively proactive and um just the kind of guy that i'm looking for and uh both of them have worked extremely hard with other people to make sure our wormhole uh, atlantis remains secure uh increase the activity therein and its value uh etc so these guys have both worked really really hard for the complication i appreciate it awesome Awesome. All right. Well, I think that uh, we are a little bit over our time here. So I think what we're going to do is skip out on the news today. We got the uh, monthly report, though, that we're going to be doing uh, next week. Um, and um, really just want to thank you so much for coming on to the show here. Um, there is, I did see one thing here that I almost forgot about, um, but there was one one request from chat here um, was that Commander Cotton Fluff. Uh, <laughs> says that uh, he, he he was wondering if you could give the the short version of the story of uh, how how you saw him grow in Eve from joining him. Man, all right, I'll tell now. this story. This is this is honestly one of my favorite success stories of Eve Online. It proves so much of kind of what I believed about how development works, or like player development works, not gameplay uh, development. 
Uh, Commander Cotton Fluff joined us, um, a relatively new player, but more specifically, he has a heart condition. His heart condition means that he's not allowed to get too excited. It could hurt him or kill him. Um, and so he started talking to me first because we were having some conflicts. We were defending structures. We were, you know, doing things like PvP combat. And he felt that he could not participate in that combat. And therefore, he wasn't very valuable. And we talked about it. And I'm a strong believer that, like, everybody's necessary in order to make it d done, right? Like, some just because somebody doesn't want to fly a Macarial in the fleet doesn't mean that they can't be just as integral to the success. And so he became one of our first, like, major XO kind of guys who made sure that, he, like I said, well, you know, if you want to help out with a fight, but you can't fight, you know what you can do? Supply. And he learned all this stuff about hauling. He became really, really good at that. He made sure that things were uh, in place. During some of our bigger battles, he would sit there in station and just hand things out to people, which let me tell you, having a dedicated person who's willing to just do that and no, not go for any glory is incredibly effective and useful. Uh, and then one day he comes to me in Fonsui and he goes, hey, I want to get into the abyss. And we're like, uh, that's that's like the opposite of the no pressure. Like, are you sure you want to do this? He's like, yeah, I kind of want to, you know, I want to step into this. And so, you know, we teach him the very basics and he starts doing it. And he, he comes back every once in a while and he gives us these stories about how he's, you know, completed tier one and, and successfully in tier two and tier three and how much he's making and what he's getting and all this stuff. And then lo and behold, like the next time we have some sort of fight going on when we're doing faction warfare stuff, uh, look who shows up. But Marcus, Commander Cotton Fluff, wanting to fight alongside everybody else. He is now, the thing is, is that trying to make him plunge into it was too intimidating and too stressful. But telling him that it was okay for him to just take it at his own pace, each step of the way, he became comfortable and then was willing to take the next step. And that allowed him to slowly but surely become a skirmish commander in Goonswarm Federation. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is insane. That's yeah, that's that's huge. That's I mean from I can't I can't do this PVP to fleet commander with uh you know a condition yeah. that you know like PVP is too stressful. I mean, I, man, PvP for me is stressful, and, like, I, I've i been doing this forever, and truthfully, it's not really, I mean, there's, like, a part of me that just kind of, like, just goes with the flow with it, but that is, there is a certain level of, I could see that, where you just, if you just take it more zen-like with PvP, you're probably way better. Like, I know that I fuck up a lot, because all of a sudden, Digest like, Digest it that... in chunks. It helps. <laughs> yep. Um... Awesome. Well, thank you all for watching. Thank you so much, Astarate, for coming on to the show here. Um, it's been great. It's always great to have you on. There's so much information, so much stuff that I learn every time that I that I talk to you, basically. So, um, yeah, it's really great to have you on here. Um, we do broadcast live every uh, Sunday, uh, 2300 Eve time, 5 p.m. Central time. Um on Twitch, if you missed us live, though, you can always check us out. Um, the Federation Frontline Report on our awesome new website. We have Federation Frontline Report. I'm sorry, FederationFrontline.com is our uh, new website that we've created that has all of our posts from here. Um, you know, any cool videos, and I plan on doing a little bit of blogging 
not not like a lot, but just uh, some just a place to write down some some stuff about faction warfare and what's going on. Um, and we might do uh, a feed into it from the uh, the world news because that's uh, that's something that I'm going to be doing like some deep dives into now. And I don't know how after 15 years of playing Eve, I have I have no clue about this. <laughs> so uh, you know, you learn something new every day. Um, you can also catch us on um, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all the other platforms that exist out there. Um, we have the video version, of course, on just YouTube. Um, if you have news that you'd like us to talk about on the show, after action reports, just cool things that are happening in EVE Online or in Faction Warfare, we're willing to pay 10 to 100 million isk to get some stories out there, depending on the quality and effort, whether we post it onto the show. Um, so just go ahead and email Frozen Fallout in-game with any kind of information, any kind of stories that you want told on the show here. Um, we'll definitely get you over the ISK and then we'll get it evaluated um, and see if we can fit it into a show. Um, if you're interested in joining up with the war effort, you can always jump into our chat room Federation Frontline in-game. Um, you can apply in-game to us at the Golden Age Stories. Um, also, there's other Faction Warfare corporations out there, Adiron Robotics, tons of other ones, Faction Warfare for the Galente, Keldari, Amar, whatever is your suit, go out there, find a corporation, NPC, player-owned, whatever, get into the action, or just come on down to Black Rise or any of the other Faction Warfare areas with your ship and shoot people. Um, we're always more than happy to see people in the Faction Warfare zone, regardless of whether they're ally, enemy, neutral, or a pirate. We all want something to shoot, so come on down and we will find something to shoot together. Um, if you're interested um, in anything else that we, we do here, we definitely have also our Golden Age Stories website, theageofstories.com. Um, you can always go there to find all the other stuff that we do with the World Darkness, all the other crap that I do too. Um, but yeah, thank you so much and have a great night. Thank you for having me. <laughs>